Welcome to the Mind Hope Podcast. My name is Charlie McMahon. I'm here with my partner, Lori Horseman. And uh, wow, Lori, what a day in the pre-production process. You and Eric Fleming and I were just talking, and there's so much that's happened in your life lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's back up, because this winter has been the point of origin for Mind Hope beyond the podcast in regard to boot camp, give the listeners, many of whom now listen because of boot camp, uh, give everybody a, uh, just an update on what happened this winter. And uh, wow. it was really exciting. I, I told you, I, you know, Austin, my son, is not given to superfluous gushing <laughs> compliments. And he said, Dad, you know, people are talking about Mind Hope. And I, I yeah. Good. Yeah, I know. I know. I said, I said, if you see Lori, tell her that because she'll it'll make <laughs> her feel good. But I'll tell her that if you don't. So uh, I, it really was cool. it was amazing. I think that this was we, we called it a beta run just to see what would happen. And so and tell everybody what that is. So tell again. Well, I don't, don't want to presume that all of our listeners know what boot camp is. Boot camp. We we got the idea that um, well, with my background, I'm a firm believer that the brain is always ever changing and you can control everything about that. It's like a giant ball of plastic if you think about it. So the the premise behind boot camp is that we would take you through a series, eight weeks, of giving you a little bit of information about the brain and why it does what it does and how you can control it, and then um, testing you with um, how good are you at this activity and this activity. And there was games involved, but there was a lot of education and training in it. And then there was homework packets. And I wasn't expecting to get the huge feedback that we got. Um, they loved it. Everyone that came, we started originally with one class, and we filled that up in minutes. Mm-hmm. And it was then literally we minutes. Opened yeah. up a second class and filled that up within minutes and had a huge wait list. So um, I actually gave a survey at the end of it, and everybody was like, How fast can we sign up for the next one? Um, can we have more classes? Can they be a little bit longer? Can the homework be a little bit more intense? And I told them, Careful what you ask me for, because <laughs> we could be doing calculus problems before this is over with. But she's a Mad scientist people. <laughs> if you if you ask her to do that, she'll build Frankenstein. <laughs> but they, a lot of people noticed a change in their attitude, a change in mm. their focus, and a change in the way they were sleeping at night, the way they were handling stress. Um, there was a lot of positive feedback, and some of it we talked about, you know, how to prevent and bulletproof your brain from dementia, if you will. Some of it we talked about how to uh, tackle stress, how to tackle the negative voices in your head. Um, basically how to control every aspect of your life through brain health. And it had a, it, it went places I wasn't expecting it to go. What did you learn? What is something you learned from that? It was a takeaway. I was like, oh, wow, yeah. Everybody got something different out of this. There were people from all walks and ages that were in there. It wasn't what we were expecting. And the one thing I knew was that brain health is something that we all know it's important, but we don't know what to do with it. And I didn't realize how many people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s are petrified of losing their cognitive abilities. That mm. kind of shocked me when we first mm. signed up. Mm-hmm. But then what I noticed is that um, we had people in that class that had early onset dementia. We had some people in that class that were caregivers for people that had dementia. We had some people that were in that class were on the other side of that journey with dementia and wanted to know what I can do to prevent from getting it. And that class, although I didn't gear it for any one particular thing, fed the need of every single person that came to That's cool. That is good. Yeah, and I'm not surprised by that. I I could see that Mm -hmm. with your content for sure. And and then uh, we have uh, actually actually after our recording today we're going to actually solidify some I think some plans yep. for what's happening in the spring but we do know 
that this spring the support system will begin to be built. Is that an accurate way to put it? Yeah. The support system of how do we create, how do we build a network, a system of support for caregivers themselves. So your goal with that, what's your dream? What's your dream as we, we, you know, Southbrook is early on ahead of a lot of churches in developing this kind of ministry. And so we're sort of leading the way. Yeah. Um, we ought to dream because other churches are going to benefit from our dreams. Um, well, with caregiving, it feels isolating. It feels like um, you're on this journey all by yourself. And we've talked about that. So with caregiving, my goal is to empower the caregiver, educate that caregiver, and let them feel that they've got a whole community of support around them. Um, regardless of where you are in that journey. If it's just starting out that way, you're in the throes of it, or you're coming out on the other half of it, that that group, that how I see this is that everybody's voice matters. Mm. And I want to empower you. I want you to understand that you're not crazy. You're, you're, you're not alone. You know, it's, it is a rough journey. And caring for somebody that you're watching right before your eyes evolve into somebody that you don't really recognize and that they don't no longer recognize you and there's behaviors you don't understand. I want to give you the tools to equip you to handle that. But at the same time, I want to shoulder up next to you on this journey so that you know you're not by yourself. You know, and that's, you know, again, the old, the old adage, we can live weeks without food. We can live days without water. We can live minutes without air, but we can't live but seconds without hope. Correct. And I think that's the thing is we, you know, boy, if we didn't nail anything, we nailed the name of this thing, the mind hope that people have hope that I'm not just facing this dark tunnel alone. Right. And it's not a message of doom and gloom. If you can let go of your preconceived notions as to how this should go. And you're just in a, a journey. See our previous episode for yeah. that. So that was, uh, yeah, exactly. If you can let go of that, you're on a journey. And if you let go of how you feel, the control issue, and then just kind of go with this person, you'll meet a new individual that you didn't know before. Wow, that's amazing. That's just... And there's so much. I mean, you'll grow as a person, too. That's stunning. Mm-hmm. Well, so thanks for that update. Um, you've got a lot to cover. Because, interesting thing... Um, is you've you've gone through in the last week or so a big professional change there there with within the industry this industry in which you work. Um, I, we've known for a while that you were not working for the healthiest of individuals. Correct. And that came to fruition last week, and that relationship ended. And so you sit here today, and the first thing you said as you told Eric and myself is, "Man, I'm having." To practice what I preach. Yes. So it's, what is that? What is? Tell us, since your your employment situation changed, what has the last week been like? And what transition? Are you doing? I mm-hmm. guess that's the biggest way to put it. Um, the path that I thought I was going to be on, I'm no longer on, um, and I had to transition my mindset, my daily routine, my everything. And I found myself practicing literally the techniques that I was teaching on um, in mind. Dang it. So it's like, shoot, now I've got to do this. Um, So the transition, I had the rug pulled out from underneath me, literally, and um, had some things that were said to me that, um, like Eric was saying, they have a tendency, negativity has a tendency to stick to you, Mm -hmm. and you replay it over and over. So I found myself, okay, I have to practice what I preach, the journaling techniques to get that garbage out of your brain. 
um, putting yourself onto a daily routine, reminding yourself that your worth isn't measured by somebody else. It's not necessarily measured by your job. It's measured by, you know, whose you are. And I know that I'm a child of God. Mm -hmm. And I know that even if it's just the most mundane routine things I'm doing, I'm doing them for him. I'm not doing them for somebody else's approval of me. And just like we talked about, it's hard to hear those things, but it is. And now I'm on a different path. Don't know what that's going to be, but um, learning to step out on a lot of faith and trust that God's going to guide this and direct my steps to where I need to go. But in the meantime, I got to get my head right. Yeah, <laughs> so no. I've been you're, doing. You're grieving. I'm definitely I mean, grieving. I, I love that is, job. Somebody needs to write a book. I is a leading while grieving. Yep. It's just because there's not there's not enough written about that, and that's what leading is most of the time. It's, yep. It's you're you're grieving, and you're also leading people um, mm-hmm. who are sometimes grieving. What Jordan say to you, your daughter? <laughs> My tell, own daughter. Tell the audience what Jordan said to you. Ooh, she's an amazing little nineteen-year-old. Um, I was upset by what was said to me, and and you should be. And she said to me, "His words are not a reflection of you, Mom. They're a reflection of him and his character and the lack mm-hmm. thereof." Yeah. And she's right. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, the knife still hurts. Mm-hmm. It does, and. It, takes you a while to recover from that. And I want to get into um, the basics. We are, we, are, we are both leading these entities, you know, Mind Hope and Players Box that are cousins of each other. Have tremendous overlap because they're all about proactive management of the mind. Yeah. Um, both of us share in common and in terms of the mental cliff we're both trying to be the fence at the top of the cliff, not the ambulance at the bottom, because there's one thing better than the ambulance at the bottom. It's the it's fence, at the, fence top. at the top. That's yeah. better. There's one thing better than the, the loss of our home. It's, keep, you know, it's, it's staying there, you know, as the prodigal. I don't leave home. Mm-hmm. I stay home. And um, so I want to get into a little bit. This one's more personal because of what you're going through. What has, your, what has a typical day looked like in the last week while you're – you're still feeling the reverberation of a of a job change, and then with that, uh, an, an assault on yes. yourself, on yeah. your being, on your skills, on your professionalism, your training, your your person. What's the last? What's a typical day in the life of Lori been like in the last week? Because you're in trauma. Yeah, it's interesting though. Um, one of the things that I trained on in Mind Hope was the importance of having a structured daily routine. And when the routine you've been on for the last mm. three years is taken from you, you scramble for a minute to figure out, well, what do I do now? Um, so the day starts off in prayer and meditation. And some days I always wanted to be able to do that, but some days you're on the road and you're up at the crack of dawn and you're driving, you know, 200 miles mm-hmm. to get to your next client. Now I've got time for that. So there's a blessing. Um, and a lot of reflection goes into that. And then it's the, you know, making checking indeed for job applications and stuff like that. But there's one thing I didn't, I wasn't really expecting is that now my husband's expecting me to make him dinner every <laughs> day at home. So that's part of it that I wasn't expecting. But, um, but going into the daily routine, it's just making sure that I'm setting aside time for myself and time to reflect and time to grow. Um, I'm setting aside time to still be proactive with other people who do need me because I still have that worth and that value. Um, And realizing that what he decided to do in terminating my employment didn't terminate my identity. Mm -hmm. I'm still Mm -hmm. 
valued. Mm-hmm. I'm still needed. I'm still necessary. Mm-hmm. Just got to find the direction where that needs yeah, to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you have these basics that you do, which is the one in that that's been most anchoring in the last week. Like this, this has been the one of many practices I do, you know, from, from how much water you're drinking, people underestimate that when you're, when your body's going through trauma, you know, making sure it's, it's processing, uh, stuff, um, sleep, what then, and then of course your routine, which one has been, oh my gosh, I forgot how absolutely essential this one is. It's the reading the Bible and the journaling for me. Um, because, it's easy for something to come into your head and steal your peace. It is so easy to replay those words and let it steal your peace and your joy and getting into the Bible, literally reading that Bible and letting God speak to me and then journaling it all out. Mm -hmm. That seems to be the most anchoring. Um, It seems to be the healthiest thing I can do. How long are your journal entries typically? Just a a a rough estimate? Before all of this, maybe 10 minutes Mm -hmm. now it's like morning noon and night Mm -hmm. and just and I'm learning that it's okay there's a lot that I need to get off my chest and I need to come to grips with this so I just keep journaling on it and it's working I'm sleeping Mm -hmm. better I'm not as stressed out I'm not I'm finding the joy in all the little things um, just like I would tell and, you know, people find three things today that you're positive for. And it was hard the first day and it got easier the second day and the third day. It wasn't so bad. And now, now it's, oh, here we are a week out. It's not so bad. Mm. It's getting better. Yeah. But I'm having to train myself to look for the good, you know, and realize that he didn't like Jordan said, it was a reflection of him, not me. Yeah. Well, let's get into that a little bit and just we're just unpack this. We have a few core passages that are um, the soil in which the truths of Mind Hope and Player's Box both emerge. 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 3, For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. Our tools are different. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to destroy demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So to me, when I look at that, I see two structures in there. There's the demolishing part, using the truth to pound away the the mistruth, in your case, that Mm -hmm. came your way last week. And then taking the truth captive, like grabbing a hold of that. Eric used that imagery, and I think it's why it's such a great imagery, and it's why we have to be so intentional through journaling is is negativity is like Velcro, but positivity is like Teflon. Mm -hmm. So we have to work harder to make that stick through repetition. You know, of course, Velcro was invented off of burrs. Yes. You know, that's that's where the guy who invented it, huh, I could make something out of that. And you think about a burr in your saddle and it just gets stuck there. So when you're journaling, if we, if we were to look at it in the construct of pulling away the Velcro of the negative thoughts through the journaling process and then creating Gorilla Glue yeah. with the truth, because we are Teflon, so we have to... The Holy Spirit has to create the gorilla glue. Yep. 
And I mean, and that's, have you ever used that stuff? I use that stuff. <laughs> it, it works. It, I mean, if it's on your fingers, it's on your fingers for a few <laughs> days. Okay. That stuff sticks. It, it, yeah. And so when you've been journaling, what's been the demolish, what, what have been the phrases that have been key to you in demolishing the falsehood that came your way? The, the, Satan is the accuser. Yes. So he sends falsehoods our way to bring us down. We start thinking, oh, yep, that's true. I'm not very good at this. Yeah. You know, that I thought that all along. I had my I had my imposter syndrome that he just embedded into my soul. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's been for you and for the listener, why and what is the process of demolishing the arguments, demolishing the falsehoods? Well, you take everything very, very personally. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I've learned is that like we talked about once before when we started talking about journaling, is put it in a box and step back from it. Mm. Look at it objectively now. Don't look at it like this is all about me. Listen to the words and take a look at them and then look for the truths in it. There was no truth in what he said. Stepping back and looking at what I have done, looking at the people I have affected and influenced, looking at the joy I brought to people and how I've helped people, I knew then that those words that he were using was probably a deflection of his own imposter syndrome. Yeah. It wasn't me. And I ha- it took a while to get to that point, but taking a look at it and backing up and realizing, wait, Lori, you are this. And it's Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know mm-hmm. the plans I have for you. And mm-hmm. I kept going over and over that. I'm like, all right, God, I'm calling that one in. And then the book of Isaiah is just full of promises. So It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. It's just the most, that's the most underestimated. Jeremiah yeah. and Isaiah both are yeah. undervalued. So that's where I've been hanging out. Mm, so cool. I'm remembering that these are the things he said about me, and these are the truths. Because, you know, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then these are the truths. Not what some guy under the influence of of some other individual is saying about you. And you can't let that change the course that you're on. Because if you believe that you have these spiritual gifts, if you believe God's got a path for everything, then I have to believe that this was a blessing that I was removed from that situation. Mm -hmm. Even though it felt like Velcro tearing me away from it, even though it was painful the way it was done, it had to happen. And now it's like... You almost knew it was going to happen, didn't you? Yeah. There's, There's that picture in Acts... Eight, where it says in Acts eight one, the great persecution broke out against the church. Well, the reason that's pivotal is pre pre that all this great stuff is happening in Jerusalem, but the church isn't going anywhere. We're all cozy in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and then that persecution gr- breaks out. The diaspora happens. The dispersion of the Jews, mm-hmm. the 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 Messianic Jew, the Christian Jews, and now they go to all parts of the world. That's how the gospel spread. It had to they happen. had to be pushed out of yep. Jerusalem. It had to happen. That and way. then you see, right, right after that is when Paul, Saul is, is converted to Paul, and you see the church just start rolling. Mm-hmm. But it was post persecution. Yeah. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> I wish, <laughs> I I wish it didn't it work hurts, that way. But I get but why it, it has to happen because, like, even because even Jordan and I were talking about this because I share a lot of my journey with her. She's like, "Mom, you were praying for doors to open and doors to shut. You got to get your <laughs> fingers out of that door." Because Rookie my mistake, God Lori Harson. Like, oh wow, <laughs> yeah. my fingers were in there. You knew better um, than that. <laughs> but it, it's true because some of us are, and I'm learning that some of us are so loyal to a fault that we'll stay in a situation yeah. that is no longer healthy for us. Yeah. It's toxic. You absorb the pain. You absorb the toxicity. And you just keep going, and eventually God's got to physically break it up and pull you out of there and put you someplace else. And you're kind of sitting here wondering, what, why, who, I didn't. It's not about that. I got to get you over here. 
and yeah. you weren't going to do it on your own, so I had to remove you for you. Yeah. And I'm figuring that out. Yeah. Now it's just kind of a case of wandering around going, okay, what next? Because I love what I do. It's one of those, okay, now where do you want me to go? So it's another thing that we were talking about in Mind Hope was that, you know, things are going to change, and you have to control your thoughts. You have to control what comes in there. And it's, I'm keeping everything. It's like focus on what's good, pleasant, and true. I'm doing all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm not focusing on the negative. Okay. I can't. Well, well, let's, okay, so we can, you know, we'll, you, know, you just quoted Philippians 4 there. Before we get to that, then the take captive. Get your gorilla glue out and make these truths sticky. What part of journaling for you represents that part? So there's the deconstruction, and then there's the reconstruction of truth mm-hmm. when your being has been assaulted with mistruth. That's when I honestly, I will rewrite some of the book okay. of Isaiah. I will literally sit down and rewrite it. That's good. And I will literally like diagram that sentence out going, take a look at these actual words. This is God speaking to you. Listen to these things. And I will rewrite that out and like I told people when they journal and when they read, when you're reading out loud and you're saying it out loud and you're reading it, it's like you're telling yourself these truths and it sticks. What happens in the brain? Because you're so big on reading out loud and writing. Yes. Writing. What happens in the brain when we do that? Again, you can't <laughs> you are, say this too much. You are programming it. Literally, you are programming it. And your own voice is the voice that's always been the loudest in your head. And when you hear your own voice saying these things back to you, it sticks. You hear it, you're reading it, yeah. you're writing it, you're reciting it, it sticks. And that becomes eventually your mantra. Now, if you're going to focus on the negative and you're saying the negative and you're calling in the negative, that's going to stick too. Mm-hmm. So you have to make a choice. And every okay. day I'm choosing, I'm going to go in this direction and let go of the negative because that's too easy. And I'm going to push up that mountain and I'm going to read those positives. I'm going to read them out loud and I'm going to say them every day to myself. And I'm going to reread them at night before I fall asleep. That's a key thing too. You cannot fall asleep with that negative swimming in your head. So I still journal at night, and I still take out the trash at night, if you will, and I still focus on the positives. And if I and I make myself look for the positives, mm. and I'm seeing them every day, everywhere. They're there. Let's end with that. Um, just give us a real. I'm just going to throw this out to you, popcorn. We're just going to do a popcorn thing. First thing that pops into your head. So Paul says. So finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So let's just walk through that right now. For you today, if you, if we, you said you were going through this exercise of what you know, we call it the 4-8 focus, Philippians 4-8. Something today that you say, this is true, what would that be? What would that be? You say, this is true. And God is still on the throne. Noble. Something that you go, man, this is noble, and I celebrate that. Hmm. Noble. I have something that comes to mind, caregivers. So when I th- I'm sitting there across from you. Caregivers are just doing a noble work. It's, yeah. That would be one. Right. Something you go, oh, this is right. <laughs> when that lady called me yesterday needing my help. That's good. Pure. Something that you go, man, I celebrate that today because it's pure. And Jesus' love for us. Amen. Lovely. The sunrise. Admirable. People who do this kind of work every day. Mm, amen. Excellent. Wow. Excellent? It means above the norm is the actual word there. It's like this is above the norm and what you'll typically experience. Mm. 
Um, I think the journey that some people are on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Praiseworthy. And the inference there is worthy to say, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. That I'm on this side every single day. Cool. What happened in your brain when you did that? So you just went through, you just did a 4-8 flow, 4-8 focus. You just took captive with some thoughts. You have to shut down the negative. Mm-hmm. You have to focus on the positives. Mm-hmm. So and turn the light on. If you don't want the dark, turn retrain. the light on. Retrain. We say in player's box, light is undefeated against dark. Right. Retrain your brain. Yeah. Turn the light on. Focus on the positives. Don't go into those dark shadows. Yeah. Thanks for telling your story today. Sure. <laughs> sure, no I know, problem. <laughs> I know this is not a fun time. No. It's transition. I think it's interesting the timing with Mind Hope and everything. That's that's probably entered more than more than once our minds. But um, you know, as Eric and I would sit here doing this, we're you know you're you're having a big impact. You're having a big impact. So thank you. Until next time on the Mind Hope podcast. This is Charlie and Lori and our producer Eric, and we look forward to hearing from you and uh, being able to talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.